So listen, Jesus is here, man. That worship today, that thing put me over the edge. So good, so good. So listen, as I'm talking about Jesus, when you talk about Jesus, he shows up. So as I'm talking about Jesus, if he starts ministering to you, if he starts messing with you, forget about me, man. Just go with him. He can minister to you far better than I can. Amen? Amen. So listen, I'm going to talk to you today. Um, I'm gonna re- I'm gonna, I've never preached a sermon quite like this before, and I got, I'm going old school, just straight leather and ink and pages. I love this Bible. I will punch you in the face if you try to take my Bible. This value is so much value, so much worth in this Bible, and, and, and I love it. Um, and I'm, I'm just going to preach John chapter 6 today. John chapter 6, straight through it. So if you have a Bible, get it. You got an app. Get it. Turn it on. John 6. We're going to go. We're going to go. We're going to go from top to bottom of John chapter 6. And the reason I want to preach just on John chapter 6 is because I've, I've in this day and age, guys, I believe like never before we need to hear the gospel. We need to know the gospel. There's many people, even church people who grew up in church, people who've been saved longer than I have, and they do not know how to share the gospel. Um, just in the past few weeks, guess in, in light of all this pandemic, I've had the opportunity to um, uh, be a part of the outreach here at Victory Church, and we've been distributing food, and I've had the opportunity to meet a lot of people. It's just a lot of low-hanging fruit. A lot of people are just super, super open to hearing the gospel, super open to hearing for prayer. I don't mean just like, oh, pray for me and my household that we have a job when this is over. I mean like people are like, I got this going on in my body. I got this going on in my body. Pray, and we've been laying hands on the sick, and they've been recovering. Glory to God. But I've been talking to people. I met a man. Pastor Rocky was with me. We met a man. He said he, he grew up in church. He left church when he was 14. And I said, hey, did they tell you about Jesus? He said, who's that? True story. Who's that? My two-year-old can tell you about Jesus. That's part of it because of the, the awesome, 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 awesome uh, 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 children's ministry we have here. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm being real. No kids ministry like ours. Thank God for Pastor Rocky and his team. But I'm talking to this guy and uh, people know about heaven. People know about hell. But I said, but do you know Jesus? He said, who that? True story. I'm giving blood. We had a blood drive here just the other week. And listen, I'm not just telling y'all what I think you need to know. I'm telling y'all what I live. I'm giving blood. They got the needle in my arm. And I'm talking to the young lady. And she's like, oh, yeah, church. Yeah, I grew up in church. I used to praise dance. And I used to. That's what she said. I used to work with the kids. And um, I said, but do you know Jesus? She said, but, you know, the pastor and the church people, I don't like them. I said, but do you know Jesus? She said, so I haven't found a church anymore. I said, but. Come focus, but do you know Jesus? Juanita Boston, she came, she gave blood. Y'all know Juanita? Ask her. She got on the bus. I'm preaching Jesus. They've taken blood, and I'm preaching Jesus before I pass out. I did not pass out. I did not. Not this time. Those of you know, you know. You don't. Don't worry about it. You should have gave blood last time. But listen, I'm preaching Jesus. And so, these people, they don't know Jesus and they don't know the gospel. So before I even turn into John uh, chapter six, listen, Romans chapter one, verse 16. The Apostle Paul says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is. 
What is the gospel of Christ? It is the power of God unto salvation. The Apostle Paul, again, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 24. You should look at this one. Look at this one. Because I know y'all know the scripture I just said. But look at the scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 24. He says that Christ, in the Amplified Version, he says Christ is the power of God. What? So I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God. And then he says here that Christ is the power of God. So is Jesus not the gospel? Jesus is the gospel. Listen, we know more about (laughs) faith and you need faith, but you need to have faith in Jesus. We know more about portals and openings into the spirit realm than we know about Jesus. We know more about spiritual warfare and breaking spiritual curses than we actually know about Jesus. Listen, people need to know about Jesus. But when you tell them about Jesus, don't forget to include what he did. Don't forget to tell them about the finished work of the Christ of the cross. Like I said, they say, I know about heaven. I know about hell. But if heaven and hell is more real to you than the person of Jesus, then you've missed it. Pastor Rocky said the last time he preached that he said, I believe it was Reinhard Bunke. He says that if you have to wait till you die to be free, then hell is your or death is your savior and not Jesus. Jesus is it. Jesus is it. Jesus. If you're in the room, if you're in your house right now, say it with me. Jesus is it. He is the point of it all. I ain't even gotten John chapter six, but I'm preaching already. He is the point of it all. Jesus says in John chapter five, verse 39, he says that the scriptures, they testify of me. Listen, they didn't have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the epistles, all whatever. They didn't have that. They had what the prophets wrote. They had the law that Moses wrote. And even in that, he says the scriptures testify of me. So if you read your Bible and you don't see Jesus when you're reading about the ark, you've missed him. If you're reading about Adam and Eve in the garden, you've missed it. If you don't see Jesus. If you say, Joshua, I read my Bible and I don't ever see Jesus. Hey, come talk to me. Because I'm being I'm being Darius's because we have to make disciples of Christ. Disciples of Christ. So if you read your Bible and you don't find out about Christ, you're not a disciple of Christ. You're a disciple of something else. I feel it, man. Jesus, you are so worthy. You are so worthy. A Christ-less gospel is no gospel at all. A Christ-less gospel is also a power less gospel. I've already told you that it is the power of God unto salvation. You want to fill your churches, pastors that might be watching? Now, I'm not a pastor of pastors. Listen, but the word of God says when they preach Jesus, the church was added to daily. If you say every time I try to tell people about Jesus and ain't nobody getting saved, you're probably not telling about Jesus. You might mention him. But he is the point of the scriptures. He is the point of it all. He everything else is a side note and we'll get to all of that. But it has to be about Jesus. Say amen if you agree. All right. Let's let's get into this thing. Finally, man, I'm already preaching. Here we go. 
John chapter 6, and I'm going to read in the Amplified. You know me. I just love the Amplified Classic. So here it is. Y'all ready? Get your Bibles. Verse 1. After this, Jesus went to the farther side of the Sea of Galilee, that is, the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd was following him because they had seen the signs or miracles which he continually performed upon those who were sick. And Jesus walked up the mountainside and sat down there with his disciples. Now, the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was approaching. Jesus looked up then and seeing that a vast multitude was coming toward him, he said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that all these people may eat? Verse six. But he said this to prove or test him, for he well knew what he was about to do. (laughs) Philip answered him, 200 pennies or 40 dollars worth of bread is not enough that every may everyone may receive even a little. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a little boy here who has with him five barley loaves and two small fish. But what are they among so many people? So Jesus said, make all the people recline, sit down. Now the ground, a pasture was covered with thick grass at the spot. So the men threw themselves down about 5,000 in number. Jesus took the loaves and we had given thanks. He distributed to the disciples and the disciples to the reclining people. So also he did with the fish as much as they wanted. When they had all had enough, he said to his disciples, gather up now the fragments, the broken pieces that are left over so that nothing may be lost and wasted. So accordingly, they gathered them up and they filled 12 small hand baskets with fragments left over by those who had eaten from the five barley loaves. Last verse for now. When the people saw the signs or miracle that Jesus had performed, they began saying, surely and beyond a doubt, this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Now, this account, this, this miracle is in all the other Gospels. It really is. Uh, the feeding of the 5,000. But I've already told you that the scriptures testify of who? Jesus Let's reveal Jesus. He's revealing himself just in those first four, 14 verses. Are you ready? Here we go. Verse four. You should highlight it or underline it. He says, now the Passover, the feast of the Jews was approaching. Anytime for me, anytime I see a scripture like that. First of all, there's nothing wasted when it comes to scripture. So you have to pause and think, why is that there? What like? He could have just said he went up the mountain, he did the whole miracle thing, and they went on about the business. But they said now the Passover was approaching. Well, the Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, Christ is our Passover. Christ is our Passover lamb. Oh, snap. He's about to reveal himself. He says, so then he asked Peter, how are we going to feed all these people? Because he knew what he was about to do. What was he about to do? He was about to reveal himself he was about to reveal who he is because in their mind the feast of the passover this is a huge event people came from all over to partake of this festival and so he knew that this was in their minds and we'll later on read how they had even already they they connected the dots themselves but because it was passover he said you know what let's do something i know exactly what i am about to do. I'm going to reveal myself. So in verse 10, you should underline this part. He says, make all the people recline. Listen, he reveals himself right here as a shepherd. 
Does, does that sound familiar? Make all the people recline. Well, Psalm 23, 2 says, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. That's what he says. Like, I get so excited when I see Jesus. Listen, that's what he says. He makes the people to lie down in, in, in green pastures. So what is a shepherd but somebody who guides, who protects, and who feeds? He gets ready to feed them real good. That's what he does. He makes them to lie down in green pastures. That speaks to how the shepherd even loves you tenderly, affectionately. He puts thought in how he pursues you. I know we sing, oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. I like that. For me, that's kind of like saying Holy Spirit versus Holy Ghost. But it just it does something to me. But that's what it is, how he loves you. He puts thought into it. He is so careful and intentional about his pursuit for you. So he even set them down. He set them down. He set them down in green pastures. Now, the sitting down part is important, too, because what does that speak of? It speaks of, if I'm sitting down, the fact that I am receiving. It speaks of the fact that he has a place of authority in my life. It speaks of the fact that I'm learning from him, that I'm getting what he has to give. Somebody say, Jesus is my shepherd. Come on, I hope you said that at home, because if you didn't, obedience is the key to your breakthrough. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. But he said, make all the people to sit down. And then let's go on a little further. Verse 11. Um, he took the loaves and we had given thanks. Given thanks. Now, Jesus is God, right? So what do you think he was giving thanks for? Well, I believe he was giving thanks for the opportunity that the father had provided for him to reveal himself. And here's the thing. Part of what Jesus did wasn't just to come and to die. Had that been in the case, he would have died as a newborn. He also came to reveal the father. Why is that important? Because everybody has their own take of how God is. When you, when you read the law, when you read the book of the prophets, you think God is this way. And he says, listen, here's an opportunity, Father, while I have to reveal myself. And in revealing myself, who do I reveal but the Father? He says, if you have seen me, then you've also seen the Father. Woo! So, God, I thank you that I'm getting to reveal you to your people. So he distributed to the disciples and the disciples to the reclining people. Listen to the reclining people. You had to have been sitting down if he's going to get fed. They said dinner is served. Or lunch is served, but if you weren't in position to receive the blessing, then you just missed it. You take that and you apply it to your own life, and you'd have missed it. Every time you were out of the will of God, every time you were out of alignment with his word, every time he told you to go left and you went right instead, guess what? You missed it. Or, in his goodness, it still came to you. It just took a little bit longer to get there. Yes? But notice he gave it to the disciples, and then the disciples to the people. Everything that the Lord does is already blessed. It's already anointed. It's already taken care of. I'm not saying that you can't, I'm not saying that you can be in the will of God and not still have tests and trials because even Jesus had that. However, this was an opportunity that the Lord used to grow the faith of his disciples. So you say the Lord 
has called me to do this. If he has called you to do this and you are in alignment with his way of doing it, meaning you're walking in agreement with the spirit of God, then great things can happen through you by him. Does that make sense what I'm saying? I know I'm probably preaching to the choir, but most people just think Jesus just fed him. Jesus multiplied and he said, here you go. No, no, he, he gave thanks and he gave it to the disciples. It had not even yet been multiplied when he gave it to them. He gave them the fish. He gave them the bread. Now, you got to get this visual. One of my mentors, he, he showed me this. You got to think this. So as you go, your faith increases. So you got to think, Lord, look at all these people. Look at all these people. I got this loaf of bread, half a piece of bread at that. So I'm holding the bread. But I'm going to give you a little piece, like communion. (laughs) I'm going to give you the little piece of bread. You hungry? But as they're giving, they're like, holy smokes, the bread is growing back. So now they reposition themselves. And now they pinch in the bread. And they're like, there you go. There you go. You got to think, as they are doing this, as they're walking in the will of God, as they are in agreement with what God wants to do, he's increasing their faith. And now what started off as them being hesitant and stepping out on what the Lord told them to do, they just walking in that thing. They just walking in this thing. Maybe God has called you to do something. And in obedience, you stepped out, but you're a little hesitant. Hey, trust him, man, because if he truly called you to do it, it will not fail. It will succeed. God has already ordained. The works of your hand shall be blessed. He says that you'll be blessed in the field. You'll be blessed in the city. You'll be blessed coming in. You'll be blessed coming out. There'll be nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing lacking in your home. This is the word of the Lord. If you trust him and if you're in his will, when you step out, yeah, you might be a little hesitant. But before you know it, you're like, you know what? Take it. Take it. Take it. Take the bread. Take the fish. Amen. Amen. But you had to be in the will of God. You had to been sit down to even receive it. And then he gave them as much as they needed. Oh, somebody called it. Wanted. He gave them as much as they wanted. Listen, there is always more of Jesus to be had. He will feed you as much as you want to be fed. As, listen, I don't cook in my house. My wife does the cooking. And for Mother's Day, I, I, I cooked this chicken on the grill, right? I didn't know how it was going to turn out. I was, I was praying in the spirit as I was rotating that chicken. But listen, listen, I put that barbecue sauce on that thing. And I got two kids. Now, I got a five-year-old and a two-year-old. My two-year-old, he won't sit down. He eats. But he just won't sit down and eat. He'll start off at the table, but then he'll run around and just drive by. Put it in my mouth. Put it in my mouth. That joker did not get up from the table. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Them jokers tasted that chicken, right? And they were like, can I have more? Can I have more? Can I have more? Can I have more? Here's the point. Because it was good, they wanted more. As the person who provided for it, that made me feel so good. It was an... They're not worshiping me, but, you know, it made me feel real good. I was like, take some more, baby. Take some more, baby. Take, take some more. You, you want some more? You good? You good? Them kids tore it up. And it made me feel so good because that's how our father is. He delights for you to partake of him, partake of his, of his goodness. And then, verse 12, he says, gather up now the fragments, the broken pieces, that are left over, that nothing may be lost and wasted. Now, I love leftovers because that means no labor involved. I just put it in the microwave and it's done. 
but leftovers have an expiration date on it. This wasn't just leftovers. This was overflow. This was overflow. This is overflow. Now, listen, before we move on, here's what I want you to get about Jesus. Did this miracle actually happen? Yes. Did he feed them as much as they wanted? Yes. But what was the greater work here? It was not the feeding. It was the revealing of himself. So here's what we got to get to the point of church. Every. How do I say this? We have to get to the point where we can identify the truth, Jesus, over lesser truths. Does that make sense? For years, I thought this miracle was just about the miracle. He's a God of multiplication. You know what I mean? Put five dollars in the offering bucket. By the time they get back to the office, it's like five thousand dollars. I just thought that worked. And it is true. He is a God of increase. He is a God of multiplication. But the greater work here was that he revealed himself. So you got to get to the point that even when all sorts of good, spiritual, godly things are happening, they still pale are pale in comparison to who he is. Does that make sense? I, I give you an example. We can have an awesome time of worship, an awesome, 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 awesome time of worship. And then I can get up here and I can say, this is just like an axe when, uh, in the upper room. That happened. And this might be just like that. But the greater truth is Jesus is here. So it's not really worth me taking your attention and put it on something in history, though it's true, though it happened. The greater revealing is Jesus is here. Jesus is here. He's revealing. Jesus is here. He's touching. Jesus is here. He's working. What do you have need of? Because he's here. Does that make sense? All right. Let's keep going, man. I love Jesus. You love Jesus? Okay. Here's what I'm going to read. Verse 14 and verse 15, and then I'm going to skip down to verse 22. Not because the walking on water isn't as important, because it is. That's just a whole nother sermon in my mind. It's just I want to stay on task here. So when the people saw the sign or miracle that Jesus had performed, they began saying, surely and beyond a doubt, this is the prophet who is to come into the world. And Jesus, knowing that they meant to come and seize him, that they might make him king, withdrew again to the hillside by himself alone. Let's drop to verse 22. The next day, the crowd that still remained standing on the other side of the sea realized that there had been only one small boat there. And that Jesus had not gone into it with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away by themselves. But now some other boats from Tiberias had come in near the place where they ate the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So the people finding that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there themselves got into the small boats and came to Capernaum looking for Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the lake, they said to him, Rabbi. When did you come here? Jesus answered them, I assure you most solemnly, I tell you, you have been searching for me, not because you saw the miracles and signs, but because you were fed with the loaves and were filled and satisfied. Stop toiling and doing and producing for the food that perishes and decomposes in the using, but strive and work and produce rather for the lasting food, which endures continually unto life eternal. The son of man will give furnish you that. For God, the father has authorized and certified him and put his seal of endorsement upon him. Then they said, what are we to do that we may habitually be working the works of God? What are we to do to carry out what God requires? And Jesus replied, this is the work or service that God asks of you that you believe in the one whom he has sent. 
that you cleave to, trust, rely, and have faith in his messenger. Last verse. Therefore they said to him, what sign, miracle, wonder, work will you perform then so that we may see it and believe and rely on and adhere to? What supernatural work have you to show what you can do? Oh, snap. First of all, the first thing I read is how awesome. They're so hungry for the Lord. So hungry for him. I mean, I show up. He ain't here. I think he's there. So I'm going to get a boat. I'm going to hustle it to the other side. I believe it was eight miles. Walk. They get to the other side. And Jesus is like, you're not looking for me. You're looking for what's in my hand. Now, hear my heart. Hear my heart. Holy Spirit, help me. It is a great thing to want the things of God. Things of God. But I want to submit to you that that could also be the problem. We want the healing. We want the provision. I need the anointing. I need the goosebumps. I, I, I need it. I need it. I need it because if I have it, that means I'm near where he is. And Jesus said, it took you a whole lot of work to get over here. But you're only looking for me for the signs and for the miracles. Now, here's where they missed it. Here's what a sign is for. You think about traffic signs. Signs are intended to lead you to a destination. But if all you do is keep looking for the signs, you keep looking for the signs. Everybody else is like, hey, where are you at? The party started an hour ago, but you're still out here looking for the signs. You probably lost. You are lost. You're looking for the signs. You see, for Jesus, here it is. For Jesus, they thought he was just useful. He was not their treasure. He was useful. They thought, and I read it already, they said, come, let's seize him, let's make him our king, because then we can overthrow the Roman uh, government and we'll be fed. He's useful. And if it's one thing I know about things that are useful, once you use them, you set them aside or you throw them away. Please don't do my savior like that. Don't do him like that. They were just useful. But now here... If he's your treasure, oh, it's yeah, you are still willing to get in a boat and go around the, the, the Sea of Tiberias and end up in Capernaum. You really are. You really are. But your approach is far different. You're not flying across the country, driving across the country to get to this meeting and get to this meeting. Yes, I understand you want to be where the presence of God is. You want to be where the glory of God is. But at some level, you have to grow up and say, he's right here where I am. And I have him. I cannot seek his hands, but I need to seek his face. And listen, if you're going to look at his hands, at least look at the holes in it and let it remind you of his love for you. Which is a sign that should draw you to his face. Oh. If he is only useful, then you've missed it. It's a sign that is meant to lead you to Jesus. 
And Jesus is the power of God unto salvation. Jesus is the way. He said, no man comes to the Father except the Father draws him to me. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man comes to me. But by, you can't get to the Father except but by me. Does that make sense what I'm saying? And I know, I know, I know, I know a lot of us grew up in church. A lot of us have been doing church for a really, really long time. I know this, but hear me out. There is more for you than coming and seeking a feeling. He is your provider, but that's just what he does. Seek him and the provision will show up. He is your healer. That's what he does. It's a bop, but seek him. And show. we've already said that the fish and five loaves, they weren't leftovers. It was overflow. It was just a byproduct of him revealing himself. You need to seek to find Jesus in everything, in everything. When you outside pulling up them weeds in your garden, look for Jesus. When, when you're looking at your children running around the house acting crazy, see Jesus in it. It's hard. I know. I got a two-year-old and a five-year-old. I know. Glory to God. You see what I'm saying? You, you, when, when, when you, and all you can think about is this pandemic and what's going on in the world. Look for Jesus. Because then you don't have to. He is your provision. He is your healer. But you don't have to sit here and go, oh, Lord, I declare Psalm 91 in Jesus' name. It's good to remind yourself of that. But if you see him, if you have him, you have that. Am I right? Man, it's quiet in this Catholic church. Maybe because you're at home. That's why. Okay. Listen, that's who he that's who he is. If he is only useful, then you've missing. He's not a he's not a concept. Jesus isn't a concept. He isn't a theory. He isn't a slot machine in the sky. He's a person. Worthy of love, worthy of attention, worthy of affection, worthy. He's a person and he's worthy of it. He's a person. Listen, Mother's Day just came. Some of you mothers, if you didn't get a gift and you didn't feel like you were honored the way you thought you should have been honored, you was in your feelings. Now, his thoughts are not your thoughts. His ways are higher than your ways. But listen, listen, he's what I'm going to step on somebody's toes right here. Pull him back. Jesus would climb mountains to pray. Jesus, they put a cross on his back and made him climb a, a, a hill to be crucified. Some of us can't climb out of bed to get on our knees. You can't climb the stairs to get to your chair where you meet God at. Oh, my God, he's so worthy. of. We sing the song and it was so great today. You're worthy of it all. I'm willing to give up sleep. And I do. I'm willing to be uncomfortable, and I am. I'm willing for you to look at me sideways while I tell you about Jesus and how much he loves you and how much he ought to be worshipped and adored because of what he did for you. And I do. And I know many of you do too, but there's more. There's more. There's more. If you have a problem with worshiping Jesus, at home, or even when we come here. If, that, if that's hard for you, there's more for you of him to have. Let me tell you about hunger. I think Jesus loved to eat. A lot of times he'd raise somebody from the dead and he'd say, give him something to eat. <laughs> I love to eat. He said, give him something to eat. But Pastor Mitch has taught us that hunger is a sign of good health. When you don't feel well and they say, baby, you really need to eat some crackers and some soup and some dinner. And you go, I just can't eat. I just I just 
I don't feel well, so I can't eat. But when you are feeling well, you have no problem sitting at a table and eating food. Am I right? Listen, if you're not hungry for more of Jesus, you're not in good health. I'm just going to leave that where it is. Wherever that falls in your heart. If you're not hungry for Jesus, hungry for just Jesus, you're not healthy. You're not healthy. Get healthy. Get in the word of God. Come to church. I've never met anybody who says coming to church or open my Bible or praying is a waste of time. Because even when I don't feel like it, five minutes in my prayer closet, I come out and I feel good. I didn't go in there for me to feel that way, but I don't come out feeling like it was time wasted. Does that does that make sense? What I'm saying? All right. Let's keep going. I'm going to go verse 30 to verse 40. Here we go. And we're going to wrap this thing up. Therefore, they said to him, what sign, miracle, wonder work will you perform then so that we may see it and believe and rely on and adhere to you? What supernatural work have you to show what you can do? Our forefathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as the scripture says. He gave them bread out of heaven to eat. See right there, they made the connection between the fish and the bread, the loaves. They made the connection right there. Um, to, to, to Moses and what he did. And then Jesus said to them, I assure you, most solemnly, I tell you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven. What Moses gave you was not the bread of heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true heavenly bread for the bread of God is he who comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always and all the time. Jesus replied, I am the bread. He who comes to me will never be hungry, and he who believes and cleaves to and trusts in and relies on me will never thirst anymore at any time. But as I told you, though you have seen me, still you do not believe and trust and have faith. All whom my Father gives and trusts to me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will most certainly not cast out. I will never, no, never reject one of them who comes to me, for I have come down from heaven Not to do my own will and purpose, but to do the will and purpose of him who sent me. There it is. He's revealing the father. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should not lose any of all that he has given me, but that I should give new life and raise them up at the last day. For this is my father's will and his purpose, that everyone who sees the son and believes in and cleaves to and trusts in and relies on him should have eternal life. And I will raise him up from the dead. At the last day, glory to God. I think it's interesting that they made the connection between what Moses did with the manna and who Jesus was. That word manna, it literally means what is it? (laughs) Jesus is like, I am not what it is. What is it? I am the bread of heaven. I am. I am the bread of life. And he says, I come down. That doesn't mean it. That's present tense. I continuously come. I continuously come. If you want me, you can have me. If you're hungry for me, I will give you some food. If you want something to drink, I will give it to you and you will never thirst again. And I will continuously come. There's always more. Remember the five baskets full of food? Again, that's overflow. There's always 
more. And then he says, I come down and I give life. Y'all know what that word life is. That is zoe. That is life that comes from and is sustained by God himself, by God's self-existent life. 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 John 10.10 says the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life in abundance or until it overflows. Life. He said, that's what I come. And so what you, what you see, when he, when he says I come, here's exactly what Jesus did. He has taken everything in the Old Testament concerning the Moses, Moses and the law and sacrifices. And he's taken that altar and he's made it into a table. He made a table. He says, come, man, just come. If you want it, just come. And this is the gospel summed up in one word. Come. Maybe two words. Come and believe. OK, that was three. Come and believe. Y'all smarty pants. Listen, this is the gospel. It is so simple. If you cannot tell your friends, your family, this is the gospel. Come to me as you are. Jesus said to me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden, come and I will give you rest. Oh, my God, that speaks of him being a shepherd again. I will give you rest. He says, come, come, come. Come And this is the will of him who sent me, is that everyone who sees me and believes. Now, let's talk about believing, because a lot of people that I've talked to in the last few weeks, or most time ever, they say, well, I believe, I believe, I believe. But believing as defined here is cleaving and trusting and relying. That's believing. That's believing. Y'all need a practical example of this? Okay. You, people don't believe Jesus. But you believe your car, that check engine light is stay on. And you say, I'm going out of town as soon as this pandemic is lifted and we can go. And your car says, don't go. I'm going to break down. And you say, I believe it. <laughs> I'm going to cling to it. I'm going to trust it. And I'm going to rely on it. The car say, don't go. Your checkbook say, you ain't got no money in here. Don't you write this check. If you write, I'm going to bounce. And you heed the voice. It ain't even got a mouth, but you heed its voice and you cling to it. You trust it and you rely on you don't write that check. You don't go out of town. But here's what he said. This is what believing is. You cling to me. You trust me. You rely on me. Amen. That's what he says. That's what he says. And then and everybody who sees me, everybody who sees me, I shall they shall have eternal life and I will raise them up. He says, I want to replace you. That's what Jesus says when he says, I want to give you new life. He says, I want to replace you. You think when you give your life to Jesus that everything is just going to change. No, no, no. See, the things of the past, they shouldn't be anymore. If any man be a new creation, he's old things have passed away. All things have become new. I don't know about you, but new is new. When I buy a new pair of shoes, I don't want to see a scuff on it because I mean, it ain't new. It means it's used. He said, I want to give you something brand new. I'm going to replace you. And you say, well, what about my past? It don't matter. That man's dead. He should be anyway. But he says, come and you'll never be hungry again. Come and you'll never be thirsty again. If I can go ahead and have the uh, band come on up here. If you come 
you'll never want anything else. When he told them to stop working, when he told them to stop toiling, when he told them to stop doing things to try to bring satisfaction, he says, my, my, my salvation, it is a gift. You cannot earn it. You can't work hard enough to earn what I'm giving to you as a gift. And you say, but I can't stop looking at porn. You say, but I can't stop lying. You say, but I can't, I can't give my heart to Jesus because look at me, I'm a, I don't know, I'm a broken mess. That's, that, that's what you say. That's what you feel. Those, while it might be true, those truths pale in comparison to who he is. And the Bible says, whom the Son sets free, he is free indeed. No man comes to the Father unless the Father draws him. And here's the thing. If you're hearing this message today, if you're hearing this message in the future, I believe the Father is drawing you. And you say, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I got to do this. I got to do this. I need to come. That's not your job to present yourselves. Christ presents you as a spotless, without blemish bride. He does that. He does the sanctifying. He does the cleansing. All you have to do is come. All you have to do is believe. That's it. That's it. That is the gospel. It is coming and it is believing and recognizing this, that you have nothing good enough to bring. There is nothing you can offer him. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And they don't where you can't give him nothing that he can't get for himself because it's already his. And here's the thing. You need to be OK with that. Stop striving. Stop toiling. Stop working for it. Because you can't. All he wants you to do is come. Give yourself. Give yourself. Give yourself to him. And he'll do the work in you. He'll do the cleansing. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30 says, But you are in Christ, who has been made unto you wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. You need wisdom? Jesus is it. You need redeeming? Jesus is it. You need sanctifying? Jesus is it. You can't work to present yourself spotless. You can't. You just got to rest and receive. So here's what I want to do. I want to pray for you. If you would, just bow your head, close your eyes. Lord God, I've given your people your word. I've, I've shared what you wanted me to share, Father God. And I realize that there's nothing that I can say. There's nothing I can say to win somebody's life to you, Father God. All I can do is point them to, to you. And Father, you do the drawing. You do the drawing, Father God. So right now, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke the spirit of fear. That thing that's causing us to be apprehensive about laying down our lives and giving it over to you, I rebuke it. I rebuke the veil that's covering our minds and our ears. 
those, those accusing thoughts that say Jesus can't love you. He can't keep you. I rebuke them in the name of Jesus. And I lose the spirit of knowledge. I lose the spirit of revelation, Father God. Let them see clearly in this moment who you are. Let them see clearly in this moment, God, who you have called them to be, your sons. You've called them to be your daughters. Father God, I ask that you draw them and I thank you that your son Jesus is faithful to not lose any of them. He's faithful in that he will in no way, in no way, it doesn't matter what we're struggling with right now, in no way will he turn them away. Father God, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. Lord God, I pray for the person who's been in church for a long time, the person the person, the person, the person, Father God, who says, I know Jesus, Lord God, but yet I'm not as hungry as I should. God, we know your word says that there is always more. You will feed us as much as we want. So if you're at home and you say, Joshua, that's me. I'm hungry and I want more of Jesus. You say, Joshua, that's me. I've never heard of this Jesus. I have never heard this gospel before and I want to accept him. I want to come and I want to believe. I want to trust. I want to rely. I want to cleave. Then I dare you to just drop to your knees where you are and surrender your life. I'm a prayer prayer. And I invite you to just say it with me. Say, Father God, thank you for sending your son. Thank you for him laying his life down so that I might live. Thank you for the blood that covers my sin, that makes me clean. And I thank you for your invitation to come. I realize I have nothing to bring but myself. But God, you are worthy. You are worthy of my life. You are worthy of my worship. You are worthy of my praise. Be my master. Be my savior. Be the Lord of my life. And I give myself to you in Jesus' name. Father, forgive me of my sin. Every sin I've committed from the day I was born until today, Thank you for cleansing me of that sin. 